Hi, and welcome to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Hi, I'm Andrew Morris, and over the next 15, 20 minutes or so, we'll discuss questions of life and faith. And David, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Andrew. Three questions are on the table, David. Is pain and suffering a good thing? We're going to look at scriptures, and are they inspired by God? But first, I hear some Christians talk about purgatory. David, what is it, and should we believe in it? Well, Andrew, purgatory... Uh, is a belief held by some Christians in some traditions, especially the Roman Catholic traditions. Um, And it refers really to something that happens after a Christian dies. Now, a person who believes in purgatory is saying that uh, when this person, when this Christian dies, oh yes, they're they're going to heaven. But before they get to heaven, um, there's got to be this time of cleansing suffering where all our sins on earth are somehow or other uh, finally dealt with. The thinking is that when you die, oh yes, yes, you'll you'll get to heaven, but this, there's still some unresolved sort of issues in relation to your sin, and these need to be cleansed. And the thinking is that this suffering finally is meant to make us acceptable to enter heaven. So there's purgatory, is sort of an in-between phase. You die, and yes, you will be in heaven, but between those two times, there is that time when um, the sins we've committed on earth will be sort of finally cleansed, and then we get to heaven. Where's that? Is there a biblical reference to something like that? Well... I've got to state my, my feelings here that no, I don't think there is actually. Uh, I don't think there is a specific um, reference uh, to purgatory. In, indeed, I, I, I think that uh, there is far more specific biblical support for the fact that Jesus' death covers our sins. We are put right with God. I think the Bible is pretty clear on the fact that we are put right with God and our sins are forgiven at the time we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Um and and therefore, I don't think that the idea of purgatory seems to suggest that, well, our sins haven't been dealt with, really. Um, we're sort of right with God, but there's still some unresolved issues. Uh, so I, I, I personally don't think it has um, biblical support, and nor, I think, is there biblical support for the thought that, um, that the prayers of those on earth can speed our way through purgatory. There was a tradition, and I'm not saying all people in the Roman Catholic tradition hold that view, but there was this thinking many years ago at least that uh, uh, I've got to pray for the dead in order to, as it were, hasten their passage through purgatory. And I, I don't really think that that's got any great um, scriptural support for it. Look, I think when we die... I think if our trust is in Christ, I think we're in Christ and God looks at us clothed with the righteousness of Christ and I think the the sin issue has been dealt with on the cross and when we put our trust in what Jesus has done on the cross, I think that that actually is, is, is all that is needed and therefore I would have to say with all due respect to those who might have a different view that I don't think purgatory has biblical support and I, I actually don't think it's a very helpful doctrine to have because I think it, it undermines just that bit of our assurance of salvation and the finality of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, just uh, recently we published an article with Don Piper, the author of 90 Minutes in Heaven. It's the story of uh, a pastor who was in a head-on uh, car crash and he died at the scene and uh, he was actually came back to life 90 minutes later. But the book, his description is of his time when he died, he recalls going to heaven and he his, his account of being in heaven. Now... Uh, a few people who read that and saw it on Facebook said, well, you can't just go visit heaven and come back. Like, 
Uh, I'm just curious, is there any anything biblically uh, in the Bible that says that when you die, you go to heaven, but you would never return, like that kind of thing? Do we have, is there anything that would indicate that kind of thing? Well, look, I'm... I am inherently very wary of these accounts. Uh, no, I'm not in any way accusing this fellow of being wrong. Although, however, we do know that there is a well-known instance that's yeah, just recently uh, in the Christian community where someone has confessed to the fact that they've actually um, told fibs about uh, this after after death experience. But I'm not in any way assuming that that's always the case. Um, but I think I. I, I I don't think that there is any real evidence in the Bible for someone who who has actually gone to heaven and come back. Now, that doesn't mean to say that it can never happen uh, because you can't just argue from the silence of Scripture, but it seems to me the Scripture seems to weigh in pretty heavily on the fact that we die, we die once, and then comes judgment and so on and so on. And my understanding of the norm is that, yes, you don't visit heaven and come back, uh, why on earth would anyone want to, for one mm. thing? Uh, if I was this guy, I'd be very disappointed that I'd come back, to be honest. Uh, and I can't quite see the point, to be honest, of those books. Uh, that, that's my own personal opinion. But I don't think it sheds much light on the nature of the afterlife. One, one or two people's experience, I don't think necessarily uh, tells us a lot about the afterlife. Uh, but what it may do in this particular case, this book that you mentioned, is might indicate, well, for him at least, there didn't seem to be any concept of purgatory, which yeah. gets back to our question. So yeah. uh, if, we can, if, we, if we can conclude anything from some of those books that have been written, um, purgatory doesn't seem to be part of it. But then again, who on earth would want to um, uh, go to a book publisher and say, listen here, will you please publish my account of being in purgatory? I don't think it would sell very many copies, do you think? You're listening to Life and Faith with David Ray. It's our weekly podcast discussing the issues of life and faith. And uh, if you've got a question, please email David, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. You can subscribe to the podcast through the iTunes store or uh, download it from hope1032.com.au. Our second question, David, is what does it mean to say the Scriptures are inspired by God? Well, Andrew, the first thing is we've got to understand what inspire means here. Um, you, you, can, you can be inspired by visiting the Grand Canyon or, or seeing a beautiful sunset or something. That's not quite what the Bible says. The Bible says that Scriptures are inspired by God, but what it means here is literally is it means sort of breathed out by God. Now, again, that doesn't help us very much because we know in a sense literally God doesn't breathe. But it means that he is the um, ultimate source of Scripture. What, what, what the Scriptures say when it says all Scriptures are inspired by God means that this is not something that some human being has uh, simply made up. Uh, in other words, when I read the Bible, I am reading something that God wanted written. Now, it was written by human beings, but it was what God wanted written. I think I understand it that that God is so shaping the thinking and the writing of those human beings that the scriptures reveal God's heart and mind and will. So Peter, Jeremiah, John, Isaiah, whoever is writing whatever scripture is writing quite freely. They're not they're not dictate they're not dictated to by God. Uh, they're writing in their own way because the original Greek and Hebrew show a very distinctive styles of all these authors. God wasn't obliterating all that. Uh, they all write differently. Um, but in writing, God through his spirit, I think, is just generally what we might call generally superintending what they write. Um, he even accommodates himself to their own worldview. He, he, God well knows that certain things that were written in a pre-scientific age were not exactly 
historically or scientifically accurate, but God's not worried about that. That's not what he's, he's not writing a scientific textbook. Um, he, he, is, he is accommodating himself to their worldview. Um, uh, he doesn't peer over their shoulder to correct grammar or detail. Uh, there's some details or grammar that might not be precise, but God is not worried about that. He's more concerned about the big picture. The Bible says, remember, that uh, in that text in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and, and, and is able to teach us about what salvation means and how to live for Jesus. Um, so, so, so that's what God wants it to be. And to say they're inspired is to say that God is going to ensure that the Bible does its job in that respect. Um, so to say it's inspired by God doesn't mean to say that it's dictated by God. Um, it's a human book. It's written in a certain age and culture by certain human beings. But it's not just a human book. It's it's a divine book overseen by God whose spirit is able to apply it in all ages. So, so yes, the Bible is written by humans, but yes, those human beings were, as it were, overseen by the spirit of God so that what they were writing turns out to be what God wanted written. And it must have been a hard decision for the people, the group of the council that then selected what books of the Bible are relevant. You know, you know how you've spoken previously that there yes. were certain books that were deemed not necessarily Indeed. accurate or trusted Indeed. 100%. So it must have been a weighty decision for those people. Well, yes, and, and, and we've got to clarify there, it wasn't just simply, oh, let's have a meeting and decide what's what's the Bible and what's not. Mm. It This this happened by the, by the time of Jesus. The Old Testament uh, books were pretty well accepted, but it was accepted by a process of gradual acceptance and weighing up and evaluating and all that. With the New Testament, very similar. Paul's epistles circulated amongst the churches and yes, 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 we acknowledge this as genuine. Yes, this is all apostolic teaching. Yes, yes, yes. So in the end, what you had a few hundred years after Jesus was a general acceptance that certain books reflected the mind and the heart and the will of God. And then, of course, yes, then the church councils came together and said, well, can we sort of formally agree on this? And they did. But yes, it's interesting that it wasn't just one meeting. Um, you know, I think it was the Holy Spirit working through the mind and the heart of the church, uh, those early church leaders, to establish that, yes, certain books were inspired by God and certain books were not inspired by God. So, yes, a very, very weighty thing, but but done by a, by, by a gradual process, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You're listening to Life Words with David Ray. Thanks for that, David. Our final question for today is, is pain and suffering a good thing? The Bible seems to suggest that it is, but I'm not so sure. Well, nor am I. Uh, I've, I've had pain and suffering in my life, and I think I'd uh, stop short of calling it good. Um, now I know my first reaction when I'm in pain is not to say, oh, thank you, God, I'm in pain. Mm. How wonderful. Of course. Um, now, uh, I, I don't think the Bible actually says that pain and suffering is a good thing. I think it's far more likely to be saying they can do good for us. It's like painful medical treatment. Uh, I mean, many of us have been through painful medical treatment. The doctor might say, look, uh, this is going to be painful, um, but it's going to have a good effect. Or um, some sporting coach might say, well, if you were to compete in this particular athletic event, I'm going to have to put you through rigorous training, which is going to be extremely painful and stressful for you, but it will have a good result. Now, I think that's, I think what the Bible says about um, pain and hardship. It says, yes, you're going to suffer pain and hardship, and it might not be pleasant for you at the time, but hey, uh, we 
under the hand of God, it will have a good effect. And so I don't think the Bible is saying pain and suffering in and of itself is good. I think rather it is saying it can, if we handle it the right way and trust in God through it, it can lead to um, something good. And of course, something good is often uh, referred to as a strengthening our faith, because I think that's true. I mean, it's when things are just going along swimmingly and everything's just going along fine, guess what? I tend to sort of push God a little bit to the margins. But boy, when I'm in trouble, help God, you know, where are you? <laughs> and so we rediscover what really matters in life when uh, um, we're going through pain and hardship. Um, but but it's it's one thing to say pain and hardship can lead to good results, but it's a very different thing to say that pain and hardship are in and of themselves good. I think one is very biblical, one view is very biblical, the other view is uh, I'd be very cautious about. I, I think uh, a recent example of just what you mentioned about often pain and hardship does draw us to closer to God um, was the Bali the Bali two who were ex- uh, Andrew Chan and Sukumar and you know um, we were very quick to say they deserved what they got they only became Christians because mm. of being caught well yes that's probably true isn't it and is that a bad thing I mean mm. like really oh that's right I mean many people turn to Christ in a moment of sheer crisis and I think it's so sad in that case that people get very cynical about it of course I think some people can pretend to be Christians of course of course but hey I don't think our default mode should be cynicism about that and certainly in the case you mentioned most certainly we can't be cynical I think the faith was um, very very um, genuinely held there now I think pain and suffering can in fact strengthen our faith and can in fact bring us to faith but it is you certainly have got to stop short of saying it is in and of itself a good thing. Mm. The death of a child may bring those parents to faith in Christ, but that does not glorify uh, the death of a child. No. So God is saying, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to take your child from you, so you'll become Christian." So that is certainly a sub-Christian view of God. But I believe it can be in such a terrible case as that God might have, a, well, certainly has allowed that to happen, and said, "Well, this terrible thing has happened in this very fallen and out of shape world, but I'm going to step in here and work it and hope that good." trust that good will come out of it. Thanks, David, for spending some time with us today. Uh, we'll join David next time on LifeWords Q&A, and we'll be talking about uh, issues of uh, children and obeying parents. That should be a good one. And uh, looking at the Lord's Supper and communion. And, um, you know, when you're feeling like not the perfect Christian, should you participate in it? Those questions will be answered next time. If you want to enjoy previous episodes of LifeWords Q&A, Please uh, download uh, all the episodes at hope1032.com.au or go to the iTunes store and subscribe to the LifeWords Q&A podcast. Thanks for your company. We'll speak to you soon.